Welcome to Nighttime Conversations with Stephen Freya, unscripted and unrehearsed. We take on the deeper subjects of love, romance, sex, and personal happiness. I'm Steve McElhan, and I'm with Freya York. Tonight, we have a very special guest. She has a long list of credentials and accomplishments, which include a PhD in clinical psychology, a licensed mental health counselor, special certification in hypnotherapy, couples counseling, perinatal mood disorders, and cognitive behavior therapy, which is CBT. She's a founding member of the South Florida Women's Health Alliance and has won numerous awards, including Top 100 Moms in Business. It's a privilege to welcome Dr. Elizabeth Bonet to our show. Dr. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you're a couples therapist um, as well as hypnotherapist. Can you tell us something about your background and what you do for couples and how this ties into couples counseling? Absolutely. I had an interest in couples counseling since uh, since early, early graduate school, uh, before then even, you know, when I was studying in undergrad. And then my specialty going through was child and family, which course includes couples therapy. And then later in life, I got trained in level one of Gottman's couples therapy, which is a very famous, well-known couples method of counseling. And the Gottman's have been doing research on couples for 40 plus years. They're actually the first ones to study happy couples. So they were the ones to say, hey, what do happy couples do that make them so happy? So they were the very first ones to do that. And they've studied every iteration of couples you can imagine. And then I also did a year-long training in the developmental model through Ellen and Pete Bader, the Couples Institute out in California. So that is my training with couples. And then um, in 2014, I decided to get certified in hypnotherapy. And I didn't really see it as relating to couples at first. And in the where I am in Florida, it's a pretty extensive training that you have to get to be able to say that you can do that. So if you're licensed, you have to have 50 hours of training. And then, of course, I love it so much, I just continue to take trainings all the time. But um, I think they do intersect, though, is what I what I came to find. In that... Hypnosis is a lot about healing, and often couples will come in to um, work on what they think is something going on just with this one person, right? And it turns out that some of those are deeper wounds often. So perhaps they're a wound from a previous relationship, perhaps they're a wound from childhood, from how they grew up, how they're they saw their parents model how to be in a coupleship. Um, perhaps they're from some trauma that happened that, you know, we can't always predict life and traumas happen. So what I found is that hypnosis is very useful for helping them heal some of those old patterns or beliefs and then take that good stuff into their marriage. I'm going to say marriage or relationship here because not everybody is married. You know, we certainly have all kinds of partnerings these days, right? So I don't want to leave someone out. So I found it really helpful in terms of that. Hypnosis sounds like a topic that we'll probably have an entire podcast on that alone. Yeah, that would be amazing. And being a hypnotist myself, uh, I would really love to go down the rabbit hole of what and how specifically um, hypnosis can do for relationships and sex. But 
Today, I do want to ask you how we can be more present during sex. And um, before we go into the how to be more present, I, I do want to ask, what does that even mean to be more present during sex? Yeah, great, great question. Um, when you and I were talking about, like, what do we want to talk about on this episode? You know, I had thrown mm -hmm. that topic out. Like, how do you be present during sex? Because I find it, it's often a problem for people, right? Oh, it's, like, it's one of the biggest problems. I, I think that if you can be present, you pretty much don't have much of a problem. Well, I think there's other problems that pop up, <laughs> even if you're present. Okay, no pun intended. You become but, um, aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You become much aware of, yeah. of other problems. So I don't think it's a cure-all, but I do think that um, when I'm talking about, let's define it first, okay, because people are like, what does it even mean? And I yeah, find exactly. that in my practice, too, when I ask the question. And But, you know, what I always get is almost this immediate answer that people know the answer intuitively like can you be present during sex are you present during sex and it's either a quick yes or no is what I get and so if a listener if you're asking yourself that quick question and your immediate response was yes or no great okay if you got uh, I have no idea what that means then let, let's talk to those people right because being present during sex is really being to me I think it's being embodied right like your mind is not off somewhere else fantasizing about someone else or doing something else. And I think there is a place for that in a sexual encounter. But if that is how you're using to cope with having sex with your current partner, then I think that's where it becomes, it enters into the problem area, quote unquote, right? So I don't okay. necessarily see it as a problem, but it can be a problem. Mm -hmm. So if think? Well, uh, well, I was going to say, so if that's what being present is, now, of, I, of course, I think being present is extremely important. I think it's the whole point of, of sex. Uh, but but um, now that we know what it is, why would you say it's important to be present? And I have my opinions as well. I would love to weigh in. But why should we be present instead of being fantasizing? Like if, if it's hot to fantasize about something else or mm -hmm. you're bored, uh, why wouldn't you let your mind kind of go into something a little more exciting? Well, like I said, like, I think that's totally fine if that's an agreement with your partner, if that does help you. But I think when it becomes a habitual thing, like this is the only way I can get through sex, typically to me, that's, that signal, signals a problem, meaning like, all right, something about sex is triggering for you, or you don't like your partner, or they're doing something you don't like, or um, it's boring, like you said, <laughs> you know, something's going on there that, mm -hmm. that signals a problem. What do you think about it when you well, say that I, is so important? I, I think that the, um, you have to look at why you're having sex. And Steve and I did a podcast not too long ago on why people have sex. And why are you having it? Because if you're having it for reasons of connection, for example, then mm -hmm. it's important to be present. And if, if I'm having sex because um, I want to feel good or I want to express my feelings for my partner or I want to just have a wonderful ecstatic experience, I don't want to escape what I'm going through by thinking about something else because other, otherwise I'm just masturbating on his body mm -hmm. and 
And there's, you know what, there is a time and a place for that. Like if you're just going to a hookup and you don't care about them, you don't like them, you don't really want to be there, they're not really, they're not very good, um, then there's not much of a problem if you just sort of tune out and get through it, like you mentioned. But if you want to feel more during sex and if you want to have more pleasure, if you want to be able to pleasure your partner better and really get to those higher levels of ecstasy, then I would say you have to be there. And by being there, I mean you have to be present in the moment what's ha- according to what's happening in your body, what's happening in your partner's body. And unless you're there, you're not going to notice the really, really subtle, minute changes in their physiology and their energy and your own as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd agree with all of that. If, but I think to go back to the agreement that you have with your partner too, that's an important piece of it. So how so? Because I think like, all right, if you have a conversation with your partner that, no, it's not okay to fantasize about other people or to fantasize about other um, things going on, like that type of thing, right? And then you're breaking that agreement by not being present, by going into another fantasy, then you've got a deeper layered problem there, I would say. But let's say the agreement is that, yeah, perfectly fine. If you want to like disconnect and go off into fantasy land from time to time and then, okay, you've made the agreement with your partner. And so then that to me becomes an exploration with them. I think for some people it could actually enhance sex. Like, all right, I felt it when you went off. Where did you go? What are you thinking about? You know, like that type of conversation. Almost like, an, almost like an erotic discovery. Like what is yes. it that you're thinking about that turns you on so much? That kind yes. of thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah my, my thinking is that uh, in the early days of a relationship, when your relationship energy is blazing, I would think, I would hope that couples are really uh, exploring each other, discovering each other. And that would be would naturally lead to being present where I'm just focused. It's it's less mechanical, and I'm learning about you. Who are you as a person? Uh, and that would happen more easily early in a relationship. Uh, but when new relationship energy fades over time, and a couple's been together for five, ten years, uh, I, I think that this element of being present uh, can help to to reignite this level of closeness that people might take for granted and might not realize can easily fade away if you're not being present. Um, Elizabeth, do you, can you talk to us about some of the ways that people might use not being present as a problematic escape versus say something that's positive and enhancing of the erotic. So, you know, when you mentioned um, positive communication, you know, mm-hmm. where did you go? What did you think about? Um, where, you know, both people are talking about what was hot to them, but are there times when it's actually seriously problematic? Absolutely. I, I believe so. And problematic, I want to say, often gets defined by whoever's going off in their head. Okay. So yes. if it's, if it's yes. not problematic yeah. to them or the couple, great, go with it. You know, but if, if someone has a sense of, I cannot be present during sex because of past trauma, because of um, personal factors going on and it's painful to them or the partner, then I, I think that's often used as coping. So I had a client who had, never once been present with their husband during sex, not once. 
And she had a traumatic background, and that is how she used, that is how she coped with sex. Like she was aware enough to think I'm, and to not want a sexless marriage. She didn't want a sexless marriage, which sometimes that happens too, right? If someone can't be present during sex or Mm -hmm. it's too triggering or something like that, sexless marriage can often happen. So she didn't want that, but she knew, you know, I have to go off in my head and think about somebody else to even have sex or think about something else or dissociate. I'm not in my body at all. So it became a problem for her later in her marriage. I think initially that the agreement was okay and it happened. And so to speak to what Steve was saying, I think it's not always the case that even in the throes of love crack in the very beginning (laughs) that people are present, (laughs) you know, I think often couples make all kinds of um, subconscious, unconscious, unspoken agreements, even when they first get together. And particularly if they're not used to communicating about sex or they don't feel comfortable communicating about what pleasures them, what they like, what they don't like, what's going on emotionally, or they're not tuned into energy too. I think you have to be pretty tuned into energy also. But I mean, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. And, And actually what I would have added to the whole, okay, what makes it problematic? And, um, where I was kind of getting at it was, so I get a lot of lady clients that will come in and say, or female clients, female bodies. I love that lady um, clients, <laughs> lady clients. <laughs> and gentlemen clients, right? <laughs> gentlemen and ladies. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but they'll be, they'll say, you know what? I just, um, you know, I'm going through the motions and I just can't feel good. Like I'm just not getting much pleasure out of what I'm doing. And the reason is they're not present. Their mind is going somewhere else, but not in a good way. It's not going into fantasy. It's going into criticism or it's going into either criticism or it's going into future telling or it's going into the story of, you know, am I taking too long? That kind of stuff. So that's not being present. And because of that, they're sabotaging their own pleasure and their own ability to get aroused. And with men, it will be, it's more often um, if they're not present they will fantasize or tell a story about their own impotence and then create it because they're so anxious. Oh, got it. Well, right? how is criticism not being present? But I, I really am interested in that because let's say oh, like, oh okay. my God, I hate that. Why is he doing that? I mean, you're present, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> but not, like, <laughs> yeah, but that's not what I mean. But by criticism, I mean, um, okay, so she's thinking about all the things he hasn't done this week that he said he was going to do. Oh, not like okay. in the moment critical not of the, moment, the sex. No, not in the moment. Yeah, but you know what though? Even if you're being critical in the moment and you're like thinking, oh God, that doesn't feel good. You're still not communicating. <laughs> yeah, like, and I think there's still an element too of disconnection. Like I knew someone who used to rate the sex after every single session. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, first of all, stop immediately, you know, because that stuff would start in her head way before the sex was over. Like, is this going to be a five or is it going to be a 10 or are we going to be a two? Oh, that's a two. Right now we're at a two. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's not being present either. Yeah. But if you're, if you're telling the story and if you're in, in a state, you know, NLP is all about states, for example. Um, if, if you're in the state of criticizing your partner for mm-hmm the stuff that he that annoyed you this week that you didn't talk to him about or unresolved 
um, ongoing issues between the two of you or mm -hmm. uh, he, for, he forgot to do something like, or maybe he was annoying at dinner and, and like he kind of ate loudly and it was like kind of gross and you were like, oh God. So if you're... <laughs> <laughs> yes, which happens after six months for everybody. <laughs> so if you're he's breathing too hard, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you're thinking about those things, and then you're actually creating that sort of physiology of revulsion, um, and you're not able to be present. So he's touching you. He's like stroking your back nicely and trying to do the things that he hopes is going to get you in the mood or, or arouse you. And you're not there feeling it. What you're doing is criticizing him in your head and feeling annoyed or turned off or repulsed. And Yeah, I if, love yeah. that. Physiology of revulsion. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've never heard you know, that before and I love it. <laughs> but that happens all the time with oh, yeah. these women who are annoyed at their husbands. They keep that annoyance with them. And they keep it with them while he's trying to have sex with them. And because they're not present with the nice things that he's really doing, and instead they're being mm -hmm. present with this annoyed story, that's ruining the arousal. And so that's where I think that being present is really important because if you don't, you're going to ruin your sex. Yeah, and, and it's really, we're talking about the duality, right, of being present right here think, in this moment and disconnecting from when he was breathing heavy or eating because <laughs> i do think like, that like an hour ago you know so yeah we can hold the duality there and i think that it's a moment by moment especially for people who are distractible and who are not used to focusing on sex but mm -hmm. it's a moment by moment choice to be present with what's happening now and not only just be present with what's happening, but like you said, if it's not feeling good, to participate in making it feel good. So if he's touching me, doing a thing that I liked last week, but it's actually, you know, because my hormones are different this week, my, my boobs feel different. So that exact same thing that made me crazy last week is now annoying me. In being present in this moment, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, God, like when is, uh, hopefully he stops soon and moves on to something that feels better. I'm going to be present and help him to do what feels good and make sure that I'm getting turned on. And that's an element of that's a big element of personal responsibility that I think is super important on both sides with sex. Yeah. I mean, I see what you mean now by choice. When you first said it, I thought, well, I think that's easy for someone to say who's able to choose versus someone whose anxiety or thoughts start going. And, and they really do have the question of how do I disconnect from all that stuff and be present in the moment? Like, how do I stop those thoughts? How do I stop the physiology of revulsion going on? You know, like well, that was going to be my last question to you. Was yeah, truly don't have the skill <laughs> to do that. Right. So, so let's skip to that question then and that was going to be what could people do today so after listening to this podcast and you're like people are realizing oh actually i do have the habit of, of drifting away and not being present with the sex that i'm having what can they do now to be more present the next time they have sex it's going to be tonight okay what would be something they could do yeah so to start good sex tonight you got to start right now right meaning when it is a choice, like you said, 
to say, okay, I'm committed to making a change here, or I'm committed to exploring why I drift away. Okay, that part people do have a choice about. Like I'm committed to either getting some help on this or looking at videos on this. Like I'm committed to helping myself even, let's say. Right? So that's a story. So that's something that's actually outside of the bedroom. This is like a outside work. Um, oh, yeah. Is, well, yeah, good okay. sex in the bedroom, in my opinion, starts outside. Yeah. It doesn't start inside the bedroom. It, okay. That's, that's what I believe. Um, so it's like, all right, let's, let's change that script, right? Let's change the committed I am committed now to recognizing when I'm drifting off and coming back to the present. I'm committed to learning skills about how to stop all those thoughts. And to me, it's like, all right, practice being present in the daytime. We're assuming people, whenever you have sex, whatever, practice being present some other time that you're not having sex. So that is mindfulness exercises, and you can find, I don't know, like millions of those on the internet, like seriously, millions, mindfulness exercises, and a very simple one, one that I actually don't like very much, but people give all the time because it's very understandable and clear. It's like the next time you eat something, really pay attention to how that tastes, slow down, see how it feels in your mouth, Um, even the simple drink of water, that one I like a little better like all right notice how that is right so when you begin to get present in your body period and really concentrate so it's practicing concentration I think as well I'm going to concentrate just on this right I'm not going to be on my phone while I take the drink of water I'm not going to be on my phone while I'm going to eat just this little bit I'm going to practice concentrating and being present right now so that then that skill starts to come into the bedroom more. Assuming that you don't have trauma that's, um, that's getting in the way there. If someone has trauma getting in the way, then I, I really do highly suggest getting some help with that. And what professional, kind of professional yeah. help, meaning like, you know, yeah. a professional, um, a hypnotherapist, a regular therapist that deals with trauma, a, sex therapist I could get some help with resolving the trauma yeah I would agree with that yeah so sorry uh, go ahead Steve yeah this whole concept of being present reminds me of uh of of Buddhist practices so uh, you know this might sound spiritual but uh they they Mm -hmm. talked about something that what Dr. Elizabeth was saying is that even in the ceremony of drinking tea uh, on one hand, you might think I'm just chugging some tea as I'm watching YouTube. But the other hand, if you're actually paying attention to the warmth of the cup, the texture of the cup, the the taste, the temperature of the tea, the scent of the tea, uh, that sounds like, yeah, I'm just nitpicking about tea. But if you apply that to sex, um, it takes it to a whole new level, I would imagine. It, it's it, yes. It's a whole new experience. You're actually paying attention to the being that you're with. And what's happening, their breath, their movement of their body, the texture of their skin, the scent of their skin, uh, it becomes a much more involved experience rather than functional. Absolutely. Yes. So if you take that same concept, right? Like, okay, let me pour my tea in a beautiful cup, right? And the cup is so beautiful and it feels so nice. It feels like you're having art for tea, right? And then you take that into the bedroom of, oh, let me just notice the contrast of my partner's skin with mine, right? Like how beautiful that is. Or I really love 
I don't know, the, the way his hands feel, or I really love the way her hair feels, you know, when I touch it, like it becomes tuning into the senses and, and mindfulness is about the senses tuning into the senses. Yeah. I, um, I've heard often, and the number changes, but it's basically that the conscious mind can only hold in it about four things, give or take a few numbers, okay. at one time. And for people who say that they can't slow down their mind and they mm-hmm. can't be present, mm-hmm. I say, well, give your mind four things to occupy it when you're making love with another person. And those four things can be, um, okay, start by focusing on the sensation of your breath. Notice your breathing. You don't have to do anything to force it. Just notice it. Mm-hmm. Notice, put all of your attention on the point of contact between your fingers and their skin or their fingers and your skin. Notice uh, your partner's heartbeat. So when you give your mind four things to focus on, there's no room for other things. The problem is that they're just used to thinking about anything. And they've other than, are, yeah, yeah. What would be the fourth? You got, to, you got up to three there. Of uh, the sound. Sound. Okay, yeah. great. Okay. So the sound of breathing, or if you have, for example, I like to set the mood. So, I have, I make sure I have um, scents that I like. I have gentle music in the background that is not disruptive. It's like a, it's just gentle. It's there, but it's almost not. Mm-hmm. And I make sure the temperature is right. I have everything to occupy senses. Okay. And then I make sure that, you know, if one of us is distracted, I pull that distraction, I, like, I bring it back into the senses. Meaning and- when? Like okay, so, so if somebody is starting to think or, or, or go away in their mind, I'll suggest they bring their attention back to the point of contact between my fingers and their skin. Oh, okay. Or it, that's if I'm kind of the more active person or if they're the more active person, I have them focus on what my body's doing. Mm-hmm. And for men, often the visual can occupy a lot of that attention. I'm not a visual person, so I focus better when I close my eyes. Mm-hmm doesn't matter what I'm doing. So for me, it's more, what am I feeling? For them, the sight may occupy a good 80% of their their senses because they're so visually inclined. It just depends on the person. Mm -hmm. And if you give yourself things in the moment to occupy that attention, your mind won't wander. And if it does, you just bring it back. And it's practice. Like people who do yoga practice day in and day out and what is yoga? You have the breath and you have the movement and you have the postures which are designed to hold your attention because not many people can sit still and stare at the wall for an hour and not think. But you know what? If you're working hard and you're focusing on your movement and you're being present, you're breathing and you're working hard enough to keep your mind right there in your body, then you're focused for an hour and you can do exactly the same thing. It translates directly into being present during sex. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and yeah, and I mean, yoga, yoga is, is often a, I see it, I taught yoga for like 18 years. So I see it as a form of meditation, really, that you don't have moving. to sit and, and, you know, trying to release your thoughts or anything. But it is, it's moving meditation, depending yep. on what type of yoga you're doing. Actually, you can do very still yoga as well. But, um, but yeah, but, but you so can that do the starts same with any sport. Yeah, like if somebody's yes. really into chess, like they're focusing on it. They're not 
you know, thinking about their kids while they're playing high level chess or high level tennis or any type of thing where you have to be very focused. So if somebody has a very unfocused life where they have no practice that they're really into, Mm -hmm. then I make sure that they get one because you have to train your mind. Your mind is needs something that needs to be trained. Absolutely. So that's starting outside of the bedroom. Yeah, like it's starting right there of saying, okay, let me train somehow. And meditation is actually a wonderful way to train the mind as well. If someone is so inclined for that, I mean, literally five minutes of meditation can change brain structures. So that's a great way to do it as well. So Dr. Elizabeth, I think you're telling us that great sex might not be automatic. (laughs) (laughs) who is it automatic for right only in the love crack months you know it it might (laughs) be something that we have to actually work at and practice (laughs) absolutely yeah i do believe that yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely i mean skill i think comes into that as well right yeah so yeah this whole people are not born with like skilled sex this whole conversation reminds me of of uh the whole idea of um, if you want to get good at something, if you want to have a greater experience of something, you might have to work at it rather than uh, it's a, a thing I was born with and I've, this has always been wonderful. I've never had to work at it. So th- that applies to being present, of, of focusing, being able to focus on the person I'm with and, and put the job out of my mind, put uh, last week, put five minutes ago out of my mind and focus on right here, right now with you. Yes. And I would say if, if whatever pops up during sex, because I know it does for me. Oops, sorry, I bumped my mic. Hold on. Um, if whatever pops up during sex, whatever means, I mean, whatever, the kids yeah. or this or that or work or, you know, it's like not, not everything is ruined in that moment. Right. But no, the practice becomes bringing your attention back to the present. So it's like, yeah, the grocery list pops in, right? Like, shit, I forgot to pick up the milk. Okay, now let me bring my attention back to, I don't know, the head that my partner's giving me, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that stuff happens. Yeah. So it, again, it becomes a practice. And when you start to practice that outside of the bedroom, it becomes easier I believe, to practice inside the bedroom. It do- yeah, it does become easier. And you know what? Also, there's going to be some times where it's just not going to work because you're so distracted. And, and knowing and accepting that and almost it's a write-off, it's fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal every once in a while. But if you practice it, then most of the time, whatever pops up, you can bring yourself back. And I have a sort of, because I know my body very well, I have a little sequence of, you know, breath, focus on this sensation, focus on that sensation, and then I'm right there. And, and I'm yeah. right back into it. And for me, it's, it's quite quick. For other people, it might take a little longer. And, yeah, and I think it's something for someone fine. to ex- explore as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, what does help you come back to the present? Is it a candle that's lit that perhaps you could gaze over to? Is it a smell? Is it, you know, you're saying focus on your breath? I try different things to see well, what some, brings you back. And some people are so intensely unfocused that they like really intense things like a spanking in order to bring them into their bodies. And Mm -hmm. if you think, and like, you know, people always joke about spankings and oh, it's so naughty or silly or, or whatever. But honestly, some of these very intense activities, uh, what do they actually do? They serve as a focusing 
a way to bring all of your attention into your body and kind of overwhelm all of the distractions. And then yes. you're there. Then you're there. Yes, absolutely. So it can really be, um, they can be really be useful. Now, uh, one more question before we wrap this one particular thing up. Do you notice any differences between uh, men and women in terms of the distraction or maybe what they get distracted by? Well, I don't have any research on that. To just okay. to put that out there. Okay? No, not, no, not research. But just I have. What? I think women are far more distractible than men during sex. It's been yeah. my experience. Yes, absolutely. Like the kids come in and everything, and um, men tend to be able to shut everything out a little better. Or like you know, classic example is let the baby cry. I'll be done in two minutes. Right. Whereas like the mom wants to <laughs> jump up and it's done for her right then. Right. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. We can last two more minutes or whatever. So, um, so that would be my clinical experience. I, what do you think, Steve? Oh, I am a weird sort of character. I find I'm easily distracted. I, I was in the swearing community for about two years. Uh, and what I found community? the swinger community. Uh, oh, swinger. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was. I found I was terrible at hookups at clubs. Um, the the loud rock music. <laughs> uh, hearing somebody walking by in the hall. Uh, you know, yeah. another couple on the same bed. All that stuff was a distraction from me. So I I found I don't work well in that environment. Um, mm -hmm. I work best when I can just focus on the person I'm with and give them my undivided attention. <laughs> okay. Well, what if you're just with the person you're with? But um, something happens externally. Is it the same experience? Uh, no, no. In that case, I actually zone out from everything else that's happening in the room. Um, I might not even notice that something has fallen down. <laughs> like, ah, okay. A, you know, a lamp has fallen. Oh, really? I didn't know. I, I was just so in the zone of with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So that would be on the side of less distractible if the circumstances are right. Yeah. So that's something to consider, I think, for either – men, women, non-binary, however you identify is, yeah, I think there are circumstances that make sex feel safer and help you concentrate better. And if you can set those up, fantastic. Which, which is a really good point, actually. And if you don't want to be distracted, make sure that you've created an environment where you feel safe focusing. Because if you need to be on guard, like watching for a threat or watching for something you don't, you're not going to like, or somebody walk kids coming home or walking in the door or um, like Steve was saying in the swinger community, um, lots of people around. It's going to be hard to focus because you inherently sense that you're not safe. And I use that term subjectively safe, but create that safe environment so that you can focus. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's really important. And, and I would say also, talk about that with your partner because they may have a different um, level of what means safety to them. Like, no, let's just do a quickie versus, you know, you'll be fine. We have 10 minutes until the kids get, home. <laughs> you know, versus like someone else who's like, no, we need a good solid, you know, I need 30 minutes lead time here in case somebody pops in early, yeah. you know, I don't know. So I think the door, doors need to be locked. Yes, the doors need yeah. to be locked. Right. The phones need to be off. I need to make sure nobody's going to see in the window, like all, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, otherwise, versus, you know, the other side is people who like to have sex 
somewhere other than their home, right? Out in public or whatever. It's like, all right, their oh, yeah. sense of what needs to happen. Even then, most people have some boundaries around that so that they don't get arrested, you know? So it's like that becomes a discussion. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. This is really wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, coming and speaking to us. Now, if somebody wanted to work with you or to find out more about what you do, and um, the, I know that you have a lot of educational resources and recordings, and you work with people one-on-one -on -one and couples, how would they find out more? Absolutely. It is the best place to start is over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. And I do all kinds of therapy, including talk therapy, couples therapy, hypnosis, obviously. And from there, you can find my podcast, Hypnotize Me, which is in its, I'm about to start my fourth season. So I've been running it almost four years. Nice. And um, yeah, it's wonderful. And you can find my YouTube channel there, which has hundreds of videos and blog posts and all kinds of stuff. And you can get some free hypnosis files too. One of them is to decrease stress, which may be really helpful for wow. yeah, sex we'll later, that, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll put that link so that people can um, head on over to your website and uh, check you out. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate being here. It's a fun conversation. Thank you for being with us.